a Hanks for the Memories. You've got a friend in us. This is episode 17, Turner and Hooch from 1989. I'm Mike Manzi. And I'm Joey Lewandowski, and with us today we have what has been casually known, colloquially known, as the Hoff Bros. First up, an old favorite here on Hanks for the Memories. He's been around, it feels like forever. He was on three of our first, I think, four episodes? Have you been on since then, or no? I don't think so. We have with us from High School Slumber Party, Mr. Brian Rodriguez. Hello, Brian. Hi, how are you? You know what? I I was confused, because I was on Cruise, and that film that we did also had Craig T. Nelson, so... You were on All the Right Moves. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, Coach Podcast. Good show. Also with us today, we have someone who was on cruise, but is making, I believe, his Hanks for the Memory debut tonight. It is true. The other Hoff bro, the host of the Foodie Films Podcast, Mr. Kyle Reinfried. Hello, Kyle. Hi, I'm, I'm happy to not just be in the Tom, but now the Tom Tom Club. I am complete. I feel complete as an individual now, so thank you for that. Of course. You were once a Turner, and now you are both a Turner and a Hooch. Yes. So welcome to the club. You are fully, completely here on board to talk about Turner and Hooch, a movie that I am going to upset so many people. I don't love I don't like this movie. Like, this is, this is fine. Because you don't have a heart and you don't love dogs? What? Well, no. So here's the thing. I told this to Brian before. I sort of, I spoiled the ending because I read a little bit too far on the IW trivia and I was like, oh no. And then even knowing what's still coming, I still welled up at the end. Like it still gets me there. I just think the movie as a whole, you know, I want to get, I want to, I want to keep moving on Hanks of the Memories. If you know what I mean, I want to keep, keep, keep the party rolling, get to Joe versus the volcano and go from there. That's where I'm at. Mike, what about you? Where are you fall on the Turner and or Hooch scale? So this is only the second time I've ever seen this movie. The first time I had a very sort of bad reaction to it. I, I did not like it at all. I didn't think it was funny. I didn't think it was dramatic. I hated that Hooch passed away in the end when they clearly could have just had him be like alive and wounded and retired or something. But this time around, I really, I think it got way better the more it went along and I really enjoyed it this time. Yeah, I was surprised. Actually, I like Hanks as a cop. We have him as a cop again. I think that works really well. And Hanks wearing glasses. I'm not sure why he keeps taking them on and off. I think they're for driving. But all in all, I had a good time watching it this time. Yeah, they're definitely for distance because he couldn't see the license plate. You see, that's the great thing about Turner and Hooch. Every time you watch it, you find new (laughs) hidden things in the movie. I think I'm just a better detective than Tom Hanks, but not Reginald Vell Johnson. Just cause they're not his... called detectives; they're called investigators. Oh, investigators! Yeah, they, there we go. Yeah, apparently a difference. My problem with the movie, and then I want to hear from both of you, because th- I'm assuming again, I might be wrong in these assumptions, but I feel like every week, every time someone signs up to join us for one of these podcasts, it's because it's about a movie that they enjoy. So I'm just assuming you guys both like it. We'll get to you in a second. My problem with this is that it feels like three kind of disconnected movies. There's a love story, there's a buddy cop thing with a dog, and then there's a murder plot. And I feel like the murder plot is paid such afterthought to all of it that like for that to be the dramatic climax, you know, the the real emotional resonance at the end, like that's what leads to the tears when Hooch gets shot and killed. I feel like it doesn't ring true. I think it's just sort of tacked on there because you can't just have a movie about a guy and a dog becoming friends, or maybe you can. I don't know. (laughs) Well, that's the thing. I think you can. Well, it's not the murder plot that then brings you to the tears at the end. It's the it is the buddy cop aspect. I mean, yeah. Well, I mean, like the but the fact that like the murder plot brings you to the point where Hooch gets killed, like puts him in the in the line of 
fire. Yeah, they could have done it without all the uh, cop element and him just being taken away at the end or something like that. Like Hanks is just watching Hooch until he's recovered, whatever. And I, I hear I hear where you're coming from there. And that vet stuff is, is very crammed in there. But, I mean, by no means am I saying this is like a perfect or or a great movie but i i like the general plot idea like there's you know just a, a local cop that's going to be you know moving out and just that whole you know there's nothing that goes on in this town and right before he leaves something happens and he has to take you know this dog it's i don't know it's, it's fun it's- exactly I'm, I'm not trying to look too into this movie or why it's happening the dog was witness to a murder that's the <laughs> inciting incident yeah <laughs> it's perfect the star witness is a dog yeah. I do like Hanks's question, like, can he, like, look at a flip book of mugshots that, that's like, <laughs> like, what are you, are you an idiot? Yeah, he can't look at pictures, and then TV, they can see technically, because there is motion, obviously, sound to react to. Yeah, but, but it's yeah. more like flashes and stuff. Yeah, exactly, um, yeah. It should be a 3D or a 4D movie where slobber comes off and you feel like it's Oh, smacked. God, so gross. No, I see, I grew up with Newfoundlands, and they're just, like, you know, the same slobber fest, and they're, it's just it just made me very... I just had a very emotional day, because I watched that. I watched this, like, fresh right before this, and I had, like, 50 minutes to kill. I'm like, oh, let me just watch, like, the last 50 minutes of Endgame, and I just bawled again. So just very emotional here. Kyle, you brought up your new fee. A suggestion, it's not my show. But I'm just gonna make a suggestion. Can we all go around and talk about our pet experience? Sure. That's why you you asked why I signed up for this show. You assumed it's because I liked this movie, and that one wasn't necessarily true. It's because my pet experience. So Kyle, why don't you get into the Newfie thing first? When I was born, we had a female Newfoundland. She was five, and she was like the best. And actually, the original dog in Peter Pan is based off of a Newfoundland, so they're just very caring dogs. And then big dogs, to, big dogs, big dogs. They're, yeah, if anyone doesn't know Newfoundland, it's pretty much the equivalent of like a Saint Bernard, you know, so like Beethoven, just like either black brown or black and white and they're great dogs and the female lived to be very long for a bigger dog almost 13 years and then right away my sister and i were clamoring for another dog just because we grew up having a dog and so we got a male and his name was i named him he was bulldozer and he was my best friend and then he lived to be almost 12 and i just love the bigger the dog the better i love wrestling with him i love like when finally hanks like loves hooch and is like running around the house with him and wrestling with him i was just like i was like i was getting choked up because that's exactly what my experiences was just like playing tug of war brian what's your dog experience what's your pet experience i actually you know besides for spending most of my time watching high school films and and making a podcast about it i do have to pay some other bills so i moonlight or i I guess most of my time spent sunlight sunlight yes i sunlight in the animal care industry so i hang out with a lot of dogs and this movie I hadn't seen it since I really got involved in the dog biz. And watching it now, it's so much better. I've met hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of dogs. I know that's not 100% that, oh, this is what the dog thinks. This is what it's doing. But I related to it more. So this watch was amazing because of that. How long have you been in the dog biz for? Like four years, I'd say. And how many times have you seen this movie? Is this like something that you've seen a lot, or have you seen it once and then you just wanted to come back because of the dog? This thing? is the second time I've seen it, and the first time I saw I've seen parts like on TV. First time I saw it was just like kind of as a joke before, you know, many years ago. So it's not a regular film I watch or anything like that. You know, I signed up for a bunch of films. This is just one of them that you picked me on. So I don't know what to tell you, Joey. I don't know what to tell you either, Brian. <laughs> but this does kind of feel to me like the kind of movie that would be on WPIX 11 yes. in the New York market yeah, every oh, weekend yes. while we're growing up. Yes. Like I remember Return of the Jedi felt like it was on every weekend. 
Like, this feels like that. Not a movie that's so good that you'll be bothered having to watch with commercials, but good enough that, like, you'll be like, oh, yeah, I'll watch Turner Hooch today. Family-friendly, but also you can watch it alone if you're, like, you know, somebody our age. Like, I feel like this sort of checks all those boxes of, like, 2 o'clock on a Saturday, you know, the Mets are rained out, the Yankees are rained out, or it's before or after a game or whatever, Turner Hooch is on. Yeah, and it's super short, too. It's only, like, an hour and a half, right? And, yeah, and it's mostly, you know, montage of... First, they don't get along, then they're starting to get along, and now they get along. And I like that about it. You know, Tom Hanks movie I used to see a lot on the WB-11 on, like, Saturday afternoon, Splash. That was always playing. I've heard of that one. So, Kyle, had you seen this movie a bunch, or is this, or why did you, or did you sign it because you grew up, or sign up for it because you grew up with the dog? Grew up with dogs. I definitely had seen this probably, I don't know, a handful of times. I definitely didn't see it when I was a little kid because I would have been traumatized by Hooch's death at the end. Yeah, I have a whole theory about that. Like, the test audience is insane for whoever they show this to. Well, wait, did you, did you, do you read about the test audiences? No. They showed both endings, and they scored the same. Apparently, this ending had much more of, like, a bigger reaction in terms of, like, people felt sympathy for it, but the happy ending, people were like, oh, that's nice. But they didn't feel, like, as strongly about it. But they, like, in terms of overall satisfaction, they were about the same. And so, and this is what the writers wanted to do. Yeah, Disney went with this because the writers wanted this one. Interesting, interesting, because it's, you know, it's the darker ending, right? Like, I've, I wanted to for see sure. real, you know... Old Hooch, not, you know, new Hooch, but, you know, it's cool. He's back. He's reincarnated. Puppy Hooch is adorable. Oh, for sure. Yeah. But was that starting, were they trying to spin a sequel here? Was, was there any trivia about that? There was a TV series yeah, there, that yeah. this one, too, no a way. series that had a pilot made and it didn't get picked up. But, like, they tried to make this into a thing, which reminds me of a recent episode of High School Slumber Party where Weird Science was almost a TV series. Like, what is with 80s movies almost becoming or actually becoming TV series? I mean, Bill and Ted became a TV series, yeah. But Weird Science became a TV series for like three or four years, which I was shocked yeah. about. This one, you know, did not get picked up, as you said. Mind-blowing, but it's like everything, anything that's remotely a hit, I feel like at that time. Let's try it out on TV. Well, yeah, and they're still doing stuff now like Fargo, right? Like, who would have ever thought, you know, and that's one of the best shows, you know, in my opinion. Like, things, you know what I'm saying? Like, they pick these properties now where you're like, huh? But they still work. Well, Mike, what about you? What's your what's your pet history? I know that you are either currently or just very recently dog-sitting for your sister. But what is your, what's your, what's your pet history? Um, yeah, so growing up, we only really had goldfish. Like, I remember we had one that uh, my brother won at a carnival, and it, like, lasted forever. Like, it was the oldest living goldfish, and we should have called Guinness at one point, but we never did. We never had pets like dogs and cats, but, um, you know, I'd say about, what, like... 12 years ago or so my sister got a dog and I basically helped her train and raise it and I became incredibly close and attached to it and to be incre- to be honest like before that I you know I'm not like a cold person or anything but I could kind of give or take pets I was like you know pets are fine whatever I could never see myself having one but like after being coming attached to my sister's dog he's basically like mine too I feel that way um, and like he sees me he knows me and you know it's just a terrific connection and now I'm forever definitely like a dog person and actually recently looking into getting my roommate's dog up here and moving in with us or getting a new dog of my own or something like that so very great transformative animals in my uh, experience. I was raised a cat person I do not really connect with dogs. I mean I don't mind dogs 
Uh, my cat is curled up next to me. She's very sweet right now. One of the very early formative experiences of my life was going to a, a neighbor's house and then having a dog running at me. They're like, oh no, the dog's fine. He's friendly. And the dog jumping up and biting my, like, biting my, like, I turned my head and bit the side of my face. And I was like, oh, dog's not friendly. And so I think because that happened so young, I was like, oh no, I'm kind of over dogs. So that wasn't great. Uh, but I also had fish, Mike. I also had hermit crabs. We had birds. We had parakeets. One killed the other. Other than died of loneliness. What? <laughs> that, that is incredible. Not an exaggeration. That actually happened. We also had sea monkeys. We also had we raised butterflies, which I guess is kind of a pet till you let them go. We had like everything, but mostly the actual cuddly one that you could sort of enjoy. We had cats all my life, even now, still to this day. All 30 years that I've, or 31 years that I've been on this planet, I've been in a house with cats. No dogs though. I'm, I'm understanding so much more about you. I was going to say that explains a lot. No, I'm kidding. Oh, yes, I know. I know. <laughs> I need to know more about these birds. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> Tweaky was one, and it was named after a TV show. I don't remember the other bird's name, though. I also had two rabbits, and obviously fish and hermit crabs, too. I know the hermit crab's name is Elvis. I've always wanted a rabbit. I always thought rabbits would be great pets. They're cool. You know, they don't make noise. You know, the, if you need to, you can keep them in the pen or whatever. But Yes, I have two rabbits. We're like kids now like i got two rabbits at home my dad can beat up your dad <laughs> whoa where'd that come from <laughs> so brian what is your favorite part of turner and hooch do you have a moment a scene a line a memory of this movie that you like more than anything else uh hmm that's tough it's just one big memory of well until the end fun happy times and i love tom hanks yelling and getting frustrated i think it was famously you know he's like not the car which is famously used in that, like, Pixar test screen. You know, there's two, like, dog moments I really like. When Hooch breaks out of, like, the pantry and destroys the home. That's, yeah, that's the same time that he's at the supermarket, right? Yeah, it turns into a great food scene. And when Hooch is, get, well, when he needs to take Hooch a, Hooch a bath. I like that. That scene where he's at the grocery store and Hooch terrorizes the house is it feels like a nightmare like <laughs> the whole movie sets up hanks as this ocd very if not ocd but like very particular very specific things are neat and orderly his house is literally packed in boxes because he's about to leave town go to sacramento have a more fulfilling satisfying sort of thrilling job and so his life is neatly organized into boxes and then hooch destroys everything in a span of 20 minutes and i was just watching i was like oh no this is terrible i don't like this at all this is bad it's a funny sequence but it's also traumatizing yeah well they do this in like the beethoven movies too right and it's like this is stereotyping dogs in a negative light like they're not like this like this makes it seem like oh you get a dog and you you can't can't leave it alone it's going to destroy your house you can't even go food shopping whatever you know but that's not the case entirely but it does play like a nightmare and brian as far as like hank's like yelling and stuff he screams all the time throughout this movie the entire movie the <laughs> entire movie to just punctuate sentences or just to be loud and i mean i don't hate it or anything but i was kind of like he's just at the top of his voice here well this is such a great example of something we'll see later when your your man interacts with a volleyball but tom hanks acting <laughs> you know not to a human we'll say yeah for sure and it's great i mean I, I think like producers probably saw this and be like that dude can act with a volleyball i'm going to cast him and cast away that's exactly how it happened i do feel like mike we talk a lot especially on the most recently released episode of cage club a score to settle now in podcatchers near you that people love nicholas cage because he goes full cage 
that he freaks out, he yells, he screams, he acts crazy, does crazy things. He makes the scene memorable, or the movie memorable, where otherwise it wouldn't be. I feel like the yelling in this is sort of going full Tom Hanks. Like, this is what I think of when I think of him, like, the residual self-image, to bring another podcast into this, to bring in The Matrix, to bring in Keanu Club. When I think of Tom Hanks, I think of him, and I think we talked about it on the last episode, Mike, just him getting frustrated, and him just getting flustered, and just aggravated, and the world just not fair to him, and he just keeps bubbling up and building up, and then just, not full cage, but sort of like yeah. like two-thirds cage is sort of full hanks and it's a more <laughs> refined outbreak outburst i think it's more the every man it's yes. more contained yeah. yeah and we talked about that last week or last episode with the burbs with yeah with Lindsay, about yeah. how different freakouts you know it's it's a certain kind of freakout and a certain kind of energy and it feels real and genuine and i do think brian that you're right that this is something a lot of this movie maybe a third of this movie or up to half this movie is him and the dog on screen and that's it and you know there's the stuff with the vet and there's the stuff with reginald Bell johnson and this and that but a lot of this is just him talking to a dog and getting nothing from the dog <laughs> and it's it's captivating i think because how like charming and how well he's acting yeah hanks doesn't go full hanks anymore just because he plays real people and that's it. He goes full Sully. Yeah, he goes full Sully. He goes full Mr. Rogers. He goes full... Captain I Phillips. I think he's... This is a good performance and, and interesting. And, like, I think the closest thing we've gotten to this before is something like The Money Pit, you know? And that's telling because that's a really good movie and that's a good performance there. And he's, I think, had the better freakouts in that movie, too, whether it's, you know, laughing at the hole in the floor or whatever. But yeah, I totally agree. This is how I thought of Hanks, you know, from my childhood. Is like I always pictured him sort of screaming like this with that tone at the top of his voice and everything. And not that he's like mad, but like you say, like frustrated or something. You know, he's not doing it when he's trying to get even or anything. It's just like, oh, what else could go wrong? Well, Mike, what is your favorite part of the movie? Is it one of these uh, Tom Hanks freakouts? Is it what Brian was talking about earlier? Or is it something else? I have two. My first one I was going to go with is when we are introduced to Hooch. And, you know, isn't it to, like, Thus Spoke Zarathustra or something is playing in the music used from 2001, and he's like... The Strauss song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he's, like, running up toward Hanks, and I was like, oh, that's that's my favorite part until the stakeout. I love when he's on the stakeout with Hooch, and he's just, like, losing his mind, talking to a dog, and they just cutting, you know, back and forth, and I don't even remember what he's talking about, but we just catch him at the end of, like, a point, and it's just, like, ludicrous. And I just realized, oh, he's on a stakeout with a dog, and, like, it's at this point where he has full trust in Hooch, and and, you know, he thinks he solved the crime. And I think this is, you know, somewhere around where the third act kicks off. But I love just that short little scene of the stakeout. I mean, who hasn't tried dog biscuits before? I know I have. Yes, that too. Yes. Kyle, what about you? What is your favorite part? Is it something I'm assuming as a dog guy, it's probably something with Hooch? Well, yeah, you know, you'd be you'd be surprised. I mean, because, yes, Ooh. Beasley the dog is amazing, is an amazing actor. Again, I, just the, the bigger, the more personality. I, lo- I love just even that. I had to look up. I didn't know exactly what breed that was. So that's in the, the Bordeaux Bulldog. Yes, Doge de Bordeaux. 
a Doge de Bordeaux, one of the oldest breeds in France. And, very rare. Yeah, and like, and even this, due to the description I read, he he seems very purebred, and uh, and we and we saw his balls, so we could know that he definitely did mate. But anyway, my, <laughs> as far as my favorite scenes go, I mean, just this crazy sexual relationship between Hanks and the vet. I mean, when they're in the kitchen right before they start, if you pay attention, because she says something about his back, when he finally turns his back, he has scratches all over it and i mean i was aroused but nonetheless and then pretty much then the next scene reginald vell johnson saying you hump a vet and i never (laughs) like i never really got that when i was younger and hearing it this time i was like oh wow and it's just even like humped and like you you think of dogs humping so i like the you know juxtaposition there kyle if i just made quickly about that kitchen scene first they're sharing minute made orange juice from the old black container that brought me back but also that is pretty much like one long continuous shot that entire thing is like shot in real time when they're in the kitchen and so so i'm sitting here watching i'm like i can't believe we have like this kind of scene shot like this in turner and hooch i was loving it even more kyle i'm surprised that hooch's day out basically with the scene we're talking about before like the famous food scene that you're gonna have to cover at some point but him drinking beer like i'm surprised that wasn't your favorite scene i mean it's a great scene it would be a tough scene i mean well you know it would be not that entertaining of just like an audio clip to play but obviously a clip i would still love to discuss and i do i mean i just his diet is you know supposedly beasley was 17 months old and filming this move movie well do you picked up on like you know the name hooch is slang for booze and alcohol right so like have you had a character named after food before on your show or have you come across that like is this no, a first I, I, yeah i'd say this is this is a first but my recollection at least as far as scenes you know i've but i mean yeah just hooch and uh his relationship with uh, amos and yeah just that whole like i mean you know he's even bringing you know turner knows right in the beginning he's bringing him a muffin yeah there's just a lot of great uh food scenes with, with he hooch. puts the meat in the bowl and then puts a bunch of chocolate chip cookies on top and then a can of beer next to it i mean that's a question you guys know i ask is what would be your last meal that might be up there now you know just with a <laughs> bowl full of rare meat but hooch it's a beautiful dog i kind of want to get that dog now i'm sure it's incredibly expensive though when they clean him up and everything and they show him and he's at the police station and stuff and you know they got all the mange off him and all of the wounds and stuff are closed up because let's face it amos is not taking care of him he's got a big chain around his neck as a leash it's like i'm a little worried at first and he's a harbor dog yeah exactly um but cleaned up he's beautiful yeah a french harbor dog I was going to say, I think that the, the stakeout might be one of my favorite moments. I'm also going to just say that the appearance, the emergence of Reginald Bell Johnson gave me flashbacks to a movie that came out one year before this. A little film, I don't know if you guys know, called Die Hard. And I wonder if they're like, oh, he was a cop in that, he can be a cop in this. Like, let's, and he was a cop in Family Matters. Like, let's just have him keep being a cop. And there's one other film that he's a cop in. He's a cop seven times, apparently. Wow, okay. That's a lot of copping. Speaking of, I was watching Endgame after this. In the extended cut that was re-released, he is a cop in Endgame. In a, is he really? In a deleted scene that oh, was the that. first introduction to the uh, to Professor Hulk before the diner scene. It was Hulk huh. saving people from a fire, but they realized like the diner was just a better reveal for Professor Hulk. So Reginald Vell Johnson was very upset that he was cut from it, and uh, he didn't go see it in theaters, and he was really heartbroken. And then he heard that that scene was being played in that, you know, whatever version they're calling that. The cash grab version. Yeah, exactly. The gotta be Avatar version, yeah. So eight, eight films. Does that mean that Family Matters is part of the MCU? If he is the same cop, yeah. Is he Carl Winslow? If the Hulk was saving people in Chicago. So you have uh, Endgame. You have this film called Plain Clothes, Turner and Hooch, 
Die Hard, Die Hard 2. Uh, apparently, he played a cop on the TV show Chuck, and he's a cop in Ghostbusters, apparently. Oh, that's right. Yeah, Ghostbusters. The mayor wants to talk to you, right? Or yeah, he comes oh, and gets that, him from prison. Yeah. yeah, that's the scene. You're right. So, man plays a cop a lot. Carl Winslow. Cop watch. Cop watch. Brian, what was your least favorite part of Turner Hooch? Is there something about this that doesn't work for you? It doesn't work or my least favorite part? Because there's two different things. Same thing. Same question. Answer it however you want to answer it. No, I mean, I didn't like when the dog died, obviously. Sure. Okay. And even, I don't know if you guys mentioned this, but even Hanks was in favor of the dog dying. And like, somewhat recently, when asked about it, he was like, that was a mistake. And he thought that the movie would have done so much better if the dog survived. Even though it did do well. Yeah, I, well, I agree with Brian that, yeah, that's my least favorite part. But that is, I think, good for the story. I think, you know, it's although it's like, you know, pulling, you know, pulling a, you know, tugging at my heart. That's, that, you know, but I think it's a good, almost like ending to the story. You know, you, then you have the, delightfulness of the the puppy and that and that, and that kind of stuff um something that that i guess didn't work for me or i was confused about okay so he's super super like ocd and neat and plans things yet his house which apparently he's moving from is not packed at all almost there's some boxes in, in, in the end because i looked for this other than that he looks pretty settled there and i'm kind of nervous that when he moves to sacramento what's going to happen to all his perishable items and stuff his refrigerator is also in a state of disarray that like you'd expect for i, I thought when he was going to go to his refrigerator that he was since he was literally on the way out of town he was going to be bare like it was going to be like you know have the baking soda but no there's a loaf of bread in there and there's ketchup and mustard and the mustard has spilled everywhere and it's like well what what is happening what? What yeah, yeah and hooch even has an entire like all this furniture to destroy like, why does he have all this furniture still lying? Like, why is there a couch? Like, if you're leaving on, like, in two or three days, you probably have, you know, maybe an end table and a fold-out chair because you're not going to be living there anymore or something, so. He didn't really, you know, he never intended on leaving, let's be honest. He was looking for a reason to stay. Kyle, what about you? What is your least... Uh, let's, let's take the death of Hooch off the table for a second. What is your least favorite part of this movie? Is there something about this that you don't like? I mean, just Coach is the bad guy? Like, I don't know, just Craig T. Nelson? Like, you know, you end up having Woody the Sheriff versus Mr. Incredible? That's just... I don't know if I like Worlds that. Worlds colliding. Well, yeah. you know, it's interesting because, like, as soon as Coach came onto the screen, it's like, oh, he's the guy. Like, he's doing it. Like, it's so obvious. Yeah. He's so guilty. <laughs> well, <laughs> did, well, you know what? Mike, you just answered my predictability that would i guess i would say is my my you know least favorite thing about it but at the same time it's a i mean it's a you know touchstone disney movie that it's it it did the right things by i laughed at funny parts and i cried at sad parts so as far as my least favorite uh, moment or you know what what didn't work for me i don't know if i have i have to think about that for a little bit longer that's fair that's fine Mike, what about you? So I did have I did have issues with Coach, but I'm gonna let that go to the side for now. And I have to bring up a very bizarre scene, and it's not even that I didn't really like. Actually, my least favorite thing is the score, probably to this. You know, like the crazy, wacky sax, the lack of it <laughs> at times that it needs to be there, and then the inappropriateness of like the electrical guitar shredding at times too. Uh, like I really don't like that. But what I want to talk about is the fart scene when Hooch <laughs> farts. <laughs> Because I don't know I had, like, such a bad reaction to that scene. Because at first I was having trouble figuring out what was going on. And then, you know, they don't even... Even to this day, you could go back and rewatch it. It's not explicit where, like, you kind of got to follow what's going on. And I was like, this dog fart scene is the worst but then you know andrea was like well you know if you've smelled like dogs fart in like contained 
you know, spaces and stuff like that. Yeah, you're, they're going to clear the room sometimes. And imagine Hooch. Like, Hooch's gas has got to, like, you know, you know, don't light a match near him is all I'm going to say. But uh, that, that scene bothered me for some reason. I can't quite put my, my finger entirely on. Yeah, because it is kind of like a, a quick, like, little noise, you know, audible fart that, like, you hear. And then it's just, like, reaction by reaction, which is fine. But also, I mean, you know, for the movie that it is, I know this would be very on the nose. But, I mean, you clearly, I mean, you know, people always say, like, oh, blame it on the dog. You know, there should be something of that nature. Like, people are like, that wasn't that wasn't me. And then they're like, ah, hooch. Like, you know, Maybe that's know. it. Maybe they wasted that joke. Maybe that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> it's like, it's too subtle and, like... They had really just like rolled with it a little longer. Like maybe I would have accepted it, but and and also in general, I feel like scenes in this movie are very long, just you know, at all, and uh, as compared to other movies, which maybe that's why that scene for me was playing so weird because it was just like this quick little like almost felt like a reshoot or something. That's all. You know, you guys have brought up Craig T. Nelson a couple times already in this least favorite part, and I've mentioned it earlier, but I just think that the whole murder plot and the whole crime element of this just feels shoehorned into this movie. I think from the beginning you're supposed to care, obviously, I mean, just from the name of the movie and from the marketing of the movie, you're supposed to care about Turner and Hooch. And then to suddenly be like, oh, there's $8,000 somewhere nowhere near here. And then this guy dies we barely know. It's just like, well, what? I don't I don't care. Like, I just, maybe I should, but I feel like, I think the movie's saying, like, care about this, but also don't care about this. And I just don't know, like, I don't know that it threads the needle to sort of hit both those extremes as well as it should. Well, I, yeah, I do agree with you, Joey. It didn't necessarily need to be, like, this whole, like, conspiracy crime it could have been simpler and we forget about it even we do forget about it but then it's just like hooch then when they're out and he's well behaved and they're like you know and he's they're on a walk or something on the beach all of a sudden then there's the guy that killed amos like i don't know like i do agree that there is a bit of a since they make it this whole conspiracy and this money laundering thing that it kind of falls flat and it's just to get to the point of hooch sacrificing himself for turner yeah. Yeah. Generally, in a in a movie like this, without the dog partner, if it was two actual detectives, uh, and even if it were still like a comedy, something like Dragnet, perhaps that we've seen Hanks in, which he was also good in, like you would cut to scenes of the villains doing bad stuff, right? So that we get a grip on you know what the B line or the B story is and what what the crime actually happening, you know, uh, you know, so we get some like tension and stuff, and you know, the audience is privy to things that our heroes aren't and we don't really get any any of that kind of stuff in this whatsoever and i think it just a little bit could have helped i don't know if this is necessarily fair because this movie's 30 years old and i feel like just collectively we're more informed or more educated about movies than we were in the 80s but i feel like it's the same thing we just talked about michael we did a score to settle for cage club that when hanks is like there's something more going on here and then it turns out that the good guy's the bad guy. Like, it just feels like, well, if that bad guy that we know is the bad guy isn't the actual bad guy, like, there's still half an hour left in the movie, like, there's going to be the twist. It's not like it's going to be somebody we don't know. Like, it kind of has to be someone we do know. Well, what worked well in, in that movie is that the guy who did it was on Cage's side. It was like a real memento sort of situation in that movie, right? Where it's like, hey, I'm going to help you find the guy who did it, and it turns out he's the guy who did it. And in that don't movie... Don't believe his lies. But, I mean, like, if they had, again, like, if they had had Craig T. Nelson 
Nelson like supporting Hanks and Hooch and maybe trying to throw him off the scent uh, a little bit here and there and then you know all this kind of stuff that could have been cool I, I think we're just more sophisticated now and I don't I don't want to nitpick a movie that's supposed to be like kind of a for the most part a light-hearted silly take on a buddy cop comedy that we shouldn't really consider anything more than that uh, I do also point out that this came out three months after K9 the Jim Belushi and the dog movie so like the same time I guess this is another like volcano Dante's Peak or the illusionist the prestige were just like oh Hollywood's got this idea man and dog fighting crime together double down I also noticed in this like the bad guy threw knives like there's not a lot of gunfire and things like I think only Hooch gets shot right I wonder if that was to, I wonder if that was not to scare the dog at the end Craig T Nelson gets the shotgun blast right to the chest though it is that's pretty extreme for a family film but I was like oh coach is out now, I'm sure Kyle and Brian read these because I think it sounds like they both read the trivia, but I will t- say for Mike and also for our listeners, Jack Nicholson, Bill Murray, and Chevy Chase were all considered for the Tom Hanks role. Dudley Moore turned it down, and uh, John Larroquette was also considered as well. But Jack Nicholson, Bill Murray, and Chevy Chase are all kind of uh, very big, broad personalities, I think, for this kind of movie. I think Hanks kind of reins it in a little bit. The other big surprising, not surprising necessarily, but cast and crew notice is that Henry Winkler, a.k.a. the Fon himself was a director for the first two weeks and then Disney and Touchstone were just like no we don't like where this is going you're gonna get out of here that's crazy fired how do you fire Henry Winkler had you heard what Winkler has said about this no he said let's just say I got along a lot better with Hooch than Turner (laughs) diva Hanks wait is this a joke thing no, I'm trying to think. Recently, I did hear someone say, like, you know, like something along the lines of, like, yeah, no, Tom Hanks, like, everyone thinks he's a sweetheart. He's an asshole. I don't, I honestly don't know if that's, like, one of those things that would be said in, like, a Parks and Rec or, like, you know, something like that, or if that's true. So, honestly, I shouldn't. No, there are, there, there are a group of people who do not like Tom Hanks. It's not a big group. Anti Hanksers? Yeah, like Amy Poehler being one of them. They dated apparently in the 80s and it didn't end well. No Hanks for the memories. There are a couple, but I mean, most people I think like Tom Hanks, but no, but that's I think that's that's something that we've talked about over on Cruise Club is that everybody, I mean, politics and religion aside or whatever, people across the board basically say that Tom Cruise is like a dedicated, kind, you know, super professional person to work with. Everyone has great things to say, and I think I I don't know Kyle if it was something I heard the same thing too, or if I'm just blending stories now or confirmation bias because I just heard you say that. But I feel like recently I also heard something like the people you don't hear stories about. It sort of makes you wonder, well, why aren't you hearing stories about them? I think Tom Cruise has his detractors as well. Well, Tim Allen. Oh sure. Tim Allen, uh, I know, has a feud with, <laughs> because they don't record Toy Story. T- that was a good hooch. They don't record Toy Story together, I know that. And I don't know why. Bill Murray and John Goodman don't don't like each other and don't record Monsters, Inc. together, so it's pretty common Pixar You mean Billy thing. Crystal? Billy, Billy Crystal, Billy yeah. Crystal. Wow. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. I got a question for you guys. Big Little Lies or Turner and Hooch? Who depicted the Monterey County s- <laughs> scenery better? <laughs> Big Little Lies is like a visual lush wonderscape. It would be hard-pressed, I think, to find two opposite depictions <laughs> of a place as opposed to those two. Do you think Turner is somehow involved in the investigations in Big Little Lies? I think Turner was having flashbacks about, like, they did a bad thing and they're not sure what's going to happen next. They might have pushed someone down the stairs, and I don't I don't know. It's just the guilt is racking them. I, I, I love the first season of Big Little Lies. I want to put that out there. Second season was up or down. Do love Tom Tom Club adjacent. Do 
love uh, Nicole Kidman as a lawyer. That was great. But uh, rest of season two was uh, not not up to par, I don't think. That's neither here nor there. Also about Turner and Hooch, Touchstone Pictures paid $1 million for the screenplay, which is the most they ever paid hmm. for any script at the time. And I just wonder, what would they have paid if the screenplay was good? <laughs> Ooh, wow, what a diss. Also of importance is that this movie was shot cinematography by Adam Greenberg, who shot the first two Terminator movies, Near Dark, Ghost, Rush Hour, like these serious, like, beautiful movies, and then this. No, well, that makes sense for the kitchen scene that I was talking about earlier, which is, you know, that that was a great shot, and that's a really long scene, and I I don't know, I kind of thought that this was very adequately shot you know this is fine there's nothing there's nothing wrong with anything here it's very natural this is a very competent looking movie i like it just seems of a different tier people take paychecks sure sure no i'm just i was just more surprised that's all i'm saying because these other movies are such like acclaimed movies and i mean he's got all stuff all over the board but joey we ran into that with like the guy who shot the money pit right like he ended up like we're looking he's like he shot the godfather like you know he's like so this kind of stuff gets gets on the resume since i started looking at the cinematographers on letterbox while we do the podcast i've been surprised more often than not like oh huh they did that all right you know what I thought was a good surprise in this movie? Uh, the money was in the ice. I thought that was cool. Yeah, that was a cool surprise. I also really liked um, when Hooch had his... Uh, he was biting on that guy's neck, and Hanks was like, you know, if I tell him to, he'll like, you know, squeeze or whatever. Like, that was a real cool sort of like once upon a time in Hollywood situation going on there with a man and his dog. It was just good. It was a good call back to the beginning, and I do, I do like the whole money in the ice thing. But that does then fall into that falling short category of like, it's not like how are they like? It should have been just like this thing about the money and figuring out this money and where the money came from, versus trying to again connect these conspiracies. And then finally, he figures out like it's you know in the ice. Brian, any other thoughts about Turner and Hooch before we get to uh, a game or two and then nominate those for some awards? Well, I was trying to think if there's a dog. Tom Hanks trilogy, and you guys will have to let me know if we get more dog. Have you had one yet? Tom Hanks with a dog? Tom Hanks with a dog? No, I, this might be a one and done. Hmm. No, it's not one and done. That's not true. I don't think dogs have featured predominantly in anything yet. You guys, I love You've Got Mail. That's like my guilty pleasure film. I wasn't picked for it, and that's fine. But there's very famously a dog, Brinkley, in that film. So that's okay. number two. There's Slinky the dog in Toy Story. Maybe, but it's not Woody's like a hundred percent. Woody does love Slink though. Maybe. Find me. Yeah, a I hear what one. you mean. Bullseye. Bullseye's his horse. Slinky's not really his dog. Find me a better one while you do this. Maybe Captain Phillips has a dog. I don't know. I I Captain. I don't. I don't think. Speaking of I I Captain, uh, I don't think so. But we'll keep an eye out. We'll leave the uh, the, the doggy door open for any kind of. Uh, four-legged friends to my, you want to pop in. But Brian, any other thoughts, or are you just on the on the dog lookout? On Turner and Hooch? No, I mean, uh, pleasantly surprised. G- gave me the full range of emotions. This movie had a reason for doing what it did, and was it the most complicated movie? No, but it tugged at the heartstrings here or there, so I, I was sure. happy to see it. And Kyle, what about you? Any other thoughts about Turner and Hooch? Turner and or Hooch? You know what? I'll, I'll put it this way. It's, I'm surprised it hasn't been remade. I think it's called Really? Yeah. I don't th- I don't think it would so much be a remake, but we just get like another dog movie kind of thing going on. I feel like they're out there. I feel like they, you know, I feel like they've not stopped making this movie just because it hasn't been in theaters and we haven't seen them. I'm sure there's like a ton 
on video for kids to check out, you know. Uh, just like, you know, the full array of monkey movies made for children and such and things like that. And so you never know what you can find. Yeah, so as far as last thoughts, um, no, I was just happy to revisit it. And like I said before, you know, I laughed at funny moments and I, I definitely uh, got teary-eyed, you know, at the end with uh, Hooch. And so... I I th- I think I definitely I think it's an entertaining movie and it's like I think just a good a, you know good representation of early Hanks and just even just 80s like late 80s films so uh I would definitely recommend it to people still and I enjoyed it watching it again. Cool. And Mike what about you? Much better than the first time I saw it. Uh I liked it a lot more this time. Yeah, I like Hanks has a good rapport with with the dog. You know, I think it just it just goes to show like what a good actor he is he doesn't even need to act against humans like brian said pretty soon it's just going to be him in a volleyball you know like i think that shows range to me and i like it and you know i don't think he's got anything to be worried about with uh, when he was like talking about the burbs getting sort of you know pigeonholed into being a parent or anything like here he is he's a cop again you know what i'm saying like that's the thing too i like hanks as a cop and i think you know he could have done a couple cool crime films later on maybe he'll be a cop again in the green mile and stuff but um yeah i liked it a lot glasses were throwing me when him him and his glasses they were you know he's constantly i don't know if he's the best prop actor with those glasses but uh i'm just gonna give him a pass this time so other than that a lot of fun Cool. I want to reiterate or iterate maybe for the first time. I don't dislike this movie. I just don't don't love it. I was kind of hoping for more. I'm sort of just still stuck. I was saying to Brian before we started recording that I just I'm not I'm not connecting. And this is something I've said to you, Mike, a handful of episodes now. I'm not connecting with early Hanks in the way that I was sort of hoping I was going to. And I know that we've got like a decade of like the biggest movies of all time coming up. I know that I love a lot of them, but I'm just sort of hoping that I'm able to sort of sink in in a way that I have with Cruz with a couple other actors that we've done, as opposed to just at least it's going to be better than going through the motions of Keanu or Charlize, right? Because we know that on average, the movies themselves are better. I just want to be able to connect with the actor more than I have. And I'm a little worried about that. And that's uh, something big for me to admit, I think, because people love, people love Tom Hanks. Would you have liked this movie more if a man was murdered and the witness to his murder was his pet cat? No, that movie wouldn't work at all. <laughs> I love cats, but cats are not good on film. <laughs> just would have been in that fish factory. Would have just been totally distracted. Also, so. But Joey, I hear you, man. Because like I go before we did this, I love Tom Hanks stuff, and now going back is like I don't really like a lot of that early stuff either. And you and I, I feel, have like you know, for the most part in the past podcasts, have come down you know on the same side of most movies. And I feel like now in the Cruise Club, like you and I, uh, and uh, in the Tom Tom club you and i are sort of like splitting more too liking different things and different things are sort of you know hitting and missing with us and stuff so on that in that regard i think it's still been a lot of fun and really interesting to see what's going on in these early uh the early run here yeah for sure now i don't know if either of you listened actually it's not out yet you wouldn't know but since you've last both been on we have dropped the other tom because we are becoming disconnected from reality we are now seven years apart we're still stuck in the 89 for hanks and the next cruise we're doing is mission impossible from 96 and so it's becoming this weird murky middle gray ground where it's like i don't know it's hard to compare the two and so we're skipping that we might come back to it later we might do something different who knows however we are still doing Somewhat, and I, 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 don't, I might recuse myself for a little bit, just sort of recharge my batteries here. But imagine for a second, Kyle and Brian, if you will, and Mike, if you want to play too, because you were sort of—I think you might need a, a battery recharge too. But if you, if you want to play, feel free to play. Imagine for a second, you guys want to walk on roll into the world of Turner and Hooch. 
any scene you want to be in, you as your current 2019 selves, what scene are you putting yourself in? What are you doing? Brian, are you walking dogs? Are you a dog walker in this world too? Uh, Kyle, are you in the kitchen with Hooch eating a fa- famous food scene? I don't know. Tell me, where, where are you guys in this movie? To be clear, I'm not a dog walker. I manage dog walkers. Dog walker coordinator. Yes. Thank you. I've earned my stripes, okay? Anyway, what would I be doing? It's a walk-on role, right? Just to clarify. Yeah, so you're not, you're not a star. You're just a uh, you're a glorified cameo. They're like, oh, is that is that Brian from High School Slumber Party? Why is he in this movie? Hmm. I mean, I, I think I'd be... Maybe I'd be like a vet assistant. Wait, and then I gotta be there when Hooch dies. Go, Kyle, you, you go first. I am Turner's neighbor, and when he leaves after that kitchen scene, I just pop up, and I'm like, that omelet sounded pretty good. That's my, <laughs> that's my little... And then I get some scratches on my back. <laughs> Brian, do you have an answer yet, or are you still uh, unsure? I, I guess I'll just be an, another cool cop in the police station. Cool. So now a very difficult question. I think the answer it could go either way, and I'm not sure how we want to go. Does Tom Hanks in this movie do anything that puts him on the road to becoming America's dad? So I'm going to say yes. I have some evidence. Present your case, counselor. Well, he's a dog person now, and, uh, you know, a lot of people say, or I've heard it, been said that uh, you know when you're in a serious relationship and you're thinking about having children a lot of people get a dog like their litmus test that they can take care of something other than themselves Um, and I think Hanks shows a real aptitude for that by the end of this movie he cares about Hooch more than he cares about himself and he can see himself with a new dog you know with like raising another one and like keeping it going and and making it happen and, and, and passing on that knowledge and wisdom and so I've feel like that sort of like rearing stuff like fatherly kind of stuff and something that would help him raise a child kyle and brian do you want to refute that anybody want to point the do the counterpoint to that no i would agree like at the by the end and him like going up the stairs and yelling at are we assuming he's like hooch too or maybe like booze is his name i don't know but like the just by going through that list again like there's no blah 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 like you know that's a very fatherly thing to do. I have a question for Brian. The size that the Collie and the Bordeaux pups are at at the end, how old would you say that they are? I mean, look, I don't know that breed well, but they're pretty young, which is weird that they're married. Hooch is, you said, 16 months old, and Hooch is that Wait, size. Wait, they're married? There was a dog they're, wedding? No, no, no. The, the <laughs> Hanks and the vet are wearing rings, and she's expecting. They, oh, I totally didn't catch that. Thank you. Yeah, so I'm assuming they eloped and stuff. Why would they elope? Don't say and stuff. You just say elope. Okay, I'm assuming they eloped and shit. <laughs> that was some crazy wedding night. But why would why would they elope? I'm sure that they had family and Carl Winslow was there and he was the best man. Well, that's, what's, and... that's what's weird is because like, they, they, they really sort of kind of gloss over the fact that he becomes chief of police. Like, Reginald L. Johnson calls him chief. And the fact that they get married, it just feels like, wh- why, are you, why are we skipping this? Kyle, to answer your question, they all look under a year. Yes. And so it's just a lot, a lot, a lot has happened. That's what I'm saying. I'm assuming it was a quick of, thing. Yeah, wedding and... I don't know. It was kind of love expecting... at second sight. Like, after they bumped, you know, at first they were kind of annoyed with each other, but by the time he was leaving her place, the vet hospital, like, they, there was some gleam in their eye. Like, they wanted each other. Oh, yeah. They went into, like, territory of, like, this whole, like, sexual taunting of, like, what were you thinking about? And, like, when they're walking on the beach and talking about that, again, it was getting hot and steamy in Monterey. <laughs> that was the alternate title to the film. That was the alternate title to- <laughs> 
that scene where they have the sexual tension in the movie, right? Where they're like, where Hanks is like, I can't, like, I don't, we're not going to do more. Like, we're not, I'm not going to see you again because I'm starting to like you. Yeah. And if I like you, then you're going to get like, you know, basically bringing up the ghosts of the past and just saying like, my, my ex-wife, presumably, or ex-girlfriend or whoever had this problem, this problem, this problem with me. You're going to have all those same problems. I like you already. I don't want to have my heart broken. I moved in Sacramento. I'll come over to paint the, the windows tomorrow. You know, just like, that was great, right? Like, I felt like that was really, yeah, not paint the windows. I just said a thing. Paint the hallway or whatever. Like, I feel like that is a great moment there. And I think that that relationship is probably, I know in a movie where I'm supposed to care about uh, Turner and Hooch, I kind of care about Turner and the vet more. And maybe that's just because I'm sort of hoping for the near future of rom-com Hanks and sort of, you know, get into that wheelhouse. Well, that's interesting because I do get from Hanks that sort of 40s, 50s, Cary Grant-esque sort of, you know, we would do good in a movie like the front page or something, you know, where people talk like super fast and there's a lot of like this sexual innuendo between, you know, men and women in those movies and, you know, because it was the Hays Code, so you couldn't come out and say anything explicitly and so there's all this great sort of like, we're talking around shit and like, can you pick it up and like, do you get it? And I think Hanks is great with that kind of stuff too and it's on display in this movie with him and the vet. For sure. Let's nominate this movie for some awards, shall we? Let's. Best film, worst film. I'm going to say neither. I'm going to say it's right down the middle in terms of what's coming, what we know is coming, what we've seen already. This is what is depressing me, I think, most. Like, this is why I think I'm so not down on this movie, but down on this podcast in general, is because I think this movie is fine, and it's my fifth favorite Hanks movie. Like, we've done, like, 15 movies already, I'm just like, oh boy, like, and this is five. Like, this is, it's, it's, it's a struggle, I think, so far. We're turning the corner very soon, next episode, Joe vs. the Volcano, so it's getting better, I'm just... I'm struggling. I'm struggling. I'm, I'm adrift at sea. And I do want to say, I think this movie holds up pretty well. Like, compared to a lot of the other 80s movies, I know we're getting a little bit closer, but we're still in the heart of 80s Hanks. I think that this one, I mean, story-wise, like what I was saying before about, like, we're sophisticated now, we understand that the villain's going to be the villain, or, you know, the good guy's going to be the bad guy, or whatever. But I think, for the most part, this holds up really well. Like, I think that if you said, if you told me, like, this came out, like, 98, I would have been like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, because it's, you know, the relationships between a man and a dog, right? So, like, a tale as old as time, beauty, and the beast. Obviously, you guys are much more up-to-date and just studious with his career thus far, but I think he's just slowly chipping away and taking these roles that he's just learning more about his craft, and I mean, like you said, you've got Joe vs. the Volcano coming up, and then one of the, you know, that's what, 19, like, 90, and then by, like, 92, A League of Their Own, he starts showing, like, this much more diverse, you know, capability, and from there, I mean, you know, you get, I mean, a year later, he wins Best Actor. So where we are, where we are, Kyle, is that we have this one right now, then Joe vs. Volcano, which is a cult classic, which I saw for the first time last year at past and future guest Christian Larson's uh, engagement party. He showed it at a draft house yeah. in Brooklyn. Super cool. Showed up, so like, all his friends and family, whatever. Great movie there. Then we've got Radio Flyer, which I don't know what that's about. We've also, or maybe there's Radio Flyer in there, and there's also Bonfire of the Vanities, which I have heard not a single good thing about. And then, you're right, Kyle, we've got League of Their Own, and then Philadelphia, and Forrest Gump and all those sleeps in Seattle all those for the next literally 12 or 13 years it's like 14 or 15 movies and they're all like incredible or at least popular well-made movies you know what I mean so Paul 13 Toy Story I mean they all start same part of Ryan Green Mile like we're we're closing we're closing the gap on like getting to the Hanks that we know and love it's just that like these last few you know I'm stumbling I'm stumbling 
best Hanks roll, worst Hanks roll. Again, I think it's sort of down the middle. Uh, most wasted performance, I'm going to say no. Best ensemble, again, no. Best fight. Is there a fight in here? Him him trying to wrangle... Yeah, he wrangles the shotgun from Coach and blasts him in the chest. Oh, I was going to say wrangling Hooch, trying to get Hooch into the car. It's it's like a, it's a lovable fight, but it's still it's a struggle. I mean, it's definitely could be a contender, yeah. Best dance scene, no. Best party scene, no. Best wardrobe, no. Best death, he does not die. Best line and best freakout. There is, I think, the one that we need to nominate. Oh, no, 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 no. You're eating the car. Don't eat the car. Not the car. Oh, what am I yelling at you for? You're a dog. That's the big one I remember as a kid from the trailer. I mean, I never saw this as a kid, but I mean, I remember that vividly. I think it's in a, you know trailers in front of vhs movies you know back in the day and stuff so yeah and like uh brian said earlier that was the one that they put that in the test footage and that's what let him that's what made him want to take the role of woody because they had woody saying that and he's like oh i can see myself in that role um is there a line is that like, that's the best freak out is there a line in this movie that we love that we want to nominate if not that's fine you humped the vet <laughs> but hanks doesn't Generally, say that we want to say oh, hanks, to oh, hanks, hanks, hanks yeah, yeah I'm sorry. <laughs> but i mean that, yeah. that is a that is a great line Carl i don't want to give lines you know. The one nomination, the one, in the, the one in the category, real nail biter who's going to win that one. Uh, best soundtrack theme, no. Best or worst love story, I'm going to say Tom Hanks and Hooch. Best, yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, Tom Hanks and Beasley the dog. Uh, apparently, I'm sure I, I know that this was also the IMDb trivia. The last scene they filmed between Turner and Hooch was the death scene, and Tom Hanks had spent so much time with the dog that he was getting emotional that he would never see the dog, he would never have to work with the dog again. And so him crying there at the end actually, you know, felt like genuine, like, loss on his part. So I think that's sweet. Most badass role, no. And then best non-Hanks actor, male or female, I'm going to say Beasley the dog. Oh, yeah. I love it. Might even win. I'm not, you know, I'm not uh, predicting the future here or anything. It probably will. Four (laughs) nominations, Mike. Best fight, Wrangling Hooch, best freakout, best love story, and best non-Hanks actor male. Great. So, yeah, not bad. Kyle and Brian, thank you so much for joining us. You have, as we're recording this in two days, as you're listening to this last week, your mid-month check-in. I want a exclusive here. This is going to be basically an exclusive for me and Mike and no one else because it's public knowledge by then. What is your September 1st rewatch of PS I Still Have Hoffman going to be? Well, we are actually recording that after this. Doubt was like winning, so I'm 99% sure it's Doubt. Yes, it is that film that I just mentioned. I just checked. Okay. You have that. The first of the month, you guys rewatch a movie a la Cage Club Revisited. And the 15th of the month, you do like a mid-month check-in. You announce the winner for the next month. Yep. So that's pretty cool. And then every Wednesday, Kyle, you have Foodie Films. And every Friday, Brian, you have High School Slumber Party. So you guys are cranking out the sweet, sweet content every week, twice a month for Hoffman. So much of you guys to like. There's past episodes on both both Tom Cruise and Tom Hanks episodes with these two guys. So go check all that stuff out. Oh, Brian also, I mean, we mentioned Friday, but Fridays are for fun. He's our comrade on Fridays. Also, Nico and Kevo have HTML pretty much. I mean, their regular release day is Tuesday. Bonus episodes most Fridays, though. I think last week kicked off Alien. They're now doing Alien, so now they're in the Alien franchise. So going through there, they were on, uh, or at least Nico was on Mike's podcast, Third Time's a Charm, talking about Alien 3. Oh, yeah. Yeah, him and Chris podcast, yeah. But now they're going to do every Alien movie, Alien vs. Predator, that whole that whole Alien oeuvre they're going to carry out. And then they're going to do another huge franchise uh, this year, too. So there's got some very exciting stuff. Fridays are always for fun can, here. Can I say what comes out this Friday? Today? Yes, so next next Friday as we're recording this, this Friday, today, as you're hearing this, there is... Mr. Lewandowski, I pay attention to the Cage Club editorial calendar. I know it day Good, this okay. comes out. And 
what film we're doing today, or we've done, One Crazy Summer. So if you guys liked our first episode, which you and you, Kyle and Mike, were on, Better Off Dead, Savage Steve Holland is back for One Crazy Summer. And my guest is Christian Larson. It's his first time on the show, and we have a blast talking about this film. So you definitely want to check it out. Fridays are for fun. So if you're listening to this, keep the ball rolling. They're out of school, out on Nantucket, and out of their minds. With this crowd, anything can happen. (laughs) So, Kyle, congratulations on celebrating a year of foodie films. I know you have some exciting stuff coming up, so check out every Wednesday or every other Wednesday. Just On Wednesday, just poke your head around, subscribe to Foodie Films, just see what's coming up in the near future. Yeah, there's, there's more to cut. There you go. For all things, Hanks for the Memories, Cruise Club, Tom Tom Club, High School Slumber Party, Foodie Films, all 25 shows in the network. Go to cageclub.me, facebook.com slash cageclub at cageclubpod on Twitter and Instagram. Email us, hanks at cageclub.me. Come back in two weeks for Joe vs. Volcano. Come back next week on the Cruise Club episode for Mission Impossible. And check out every other show on the network. You like Brian, you like Kyle. Listen to their shows too. I'm Joey Lewandowski. And I'm Mike Manzi. And that was Brian Rodriguez of the High School Slumber Party podcast and Kyle Reinfried of the Foodie Films podcast. And we'll see you in two weeks right here on Hanks for the Memories. 